Altitude's undefeated. Crap, maybe we'll punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the evening of Thursday, July 27th, 2023. It's almost 11 p.m. Mountain Time, folks. Um, I'm coming to you after the second match in Group G in League's Cup, in which Toluca defeated Nashville SC in Nashville by a score of 4-3. to Rabbi and I intentionally wanted to record after that match this week so that we had the information on that game and ultimately knew what scenarios were needed for the Rapids to advance from the group for the upcoming game on Monday when they host Toluca at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. And Rabbi wasn't feeling well, and I knew since the game was at what, 6.30 Mountain Time, it wasn't going to be done until 8.30, possibly 9, if it went to penalties or something like that, and then at that point, we're not, we're starting the podcast well after Rabbi's bedtime, so I decided to give him the night off, so it's going to be just me tonight, it's going to be short but weird, but as Bray said on Twitter uh, earlier this evening, he wanted us to, he wanted Holding the Highline to inject Rapids content into his veins, so Bray, this shows, this episode's for you if it is for no one else. I want to briefly touch on the Women's World Cup. I have watched both of the women's, uh, both of the U.S. women's games live so far. I have not watched much else of the tournament live. I've seen plenty of goal highlights, and I'm keeping up generally with the groups. Uh, It looks like Australia is in trouble, and Sam Kerr possibly isn't even going to play as one of the hosts goes down in the group. But um. I I think the Colorado girls have been absolutely fantastic. Sophia Smith with two goals and. And that first game against Vietnam, and then the assist to set up Lindsay Rand, co-captain for the third goal. I thought if the U.S. was a little bit sharper out the gates, and if Vietnam's goalie wasn't as good, it probably should have been 4-5-0 or five nil to the U.S., but in any case, job done. And then kind of a frustrating, good barometer, good heat check for them against the Netherlands the other night, in which I thought the Dutch, men, Dutch women, Dutch ladies, came out really good in the first half and I thought they were a bad matchup for the U.S. in terms of how they pressed and what they did with and without the ball in ways that I'm not sure any other team in this competition outside of England or probably Germany would be able to do against the United States and the U.S. had to adjust. I thought they were fantastic in the second half. I thought they were slightly the better team but 1-1 was probably a fair result and then obviously a fantastic moment for um for Lindsay Horan when she uh, has that little tussle with her teammate uh, Danielle Vandy Donk. If I'm, let me look up to make sure with her Dutch last name that I'm pronouncing that correctly because that's something that I do now. Yes, Vandy Donk. Danielle Vandy Donk, um, who is her teammate at Leon, where they have a little bit of a dust up on a hard tackle that didn't even get called a foul, and then they're chirping and shoving each other before a corner, and then uh, as John Babiak uh, wrote for uh, his gamer 
for Burgundy Wave, there was an incident where Julie Ertz gets involved and tells her tells Haran, who was on a yellow card, not to get a yellow card, just score a goal and shut everybody up, and that's what happened. And um, you know, hopefully, the second half uh, there was a lot of things that were clicking for the United States that they carry over against Portugal, and they get a win in that game, and hopefully, are able to win the group on goal difference. Um, you know, I. I not been super impressed with what Trini Rodman's done. She's movements great and everything, but finishing hasn't necessarily been there. And I think there are some concerns about what the USWNT's midfield is going to look like as long as Rose Lavelle isn't able to start. Bit of a work in progress, but the U.S. women have time. I trust Flockrandinovsky. Um, they've got at least two games before I think there's a real serious threat of them playing a team that they need to be ready for and obviously from a, a a Colorado from an HTHL perspective absolutely fantastic that all four of the goals uh, so far in this competition have come from the two girls from Colorado in Sophia Smith and in Lindsay Horan um, in 180 minutes at the Women's World Cup more Coloradans have more native Coloradans have scored goals for the U.S. Women's National Team than any Rapids player has in combined competition so far this season, unfortunately. Uh, Messi also has as many goals in, like, you know, in a substitute appearance and in the first half for Inter Miami as any Rapids player other than... Um, Oh, then Kevin Cabral. I think both of them are sitting on three, but once you count total goal contributions with all the assists, uh, Messi is here, folks, and he's absolutely going to wreck League Cup. And I really hope that MLS doesn't schedule the Rapids at Miami next season so that they can just get absolutely um, dunked on um, by um, uh, by Inter Miami, who are now the new super club in Messi League Soccer. But let's get to the PIDs news of the day, folks. Uh, I will not spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, I was traveling over the weekend. I was in Philadelphia to see the Fulham as part of the Premier League Summer Series. Um, so I did catch the highlights of the game against Nashville and then went to go watch it back. And I think, unfortunately, it was eerily similar to so many other Rapids games that we've seen to where I don't need to give you the full rundown of everything. Uh, let me just look at the lineup to make sure there wasn't anything significant that I missed in there. Um, I did tweet before the game that I thought this would have been my preferred lineup. I think maybe the one exception would have been from a long-term standpoint would be Moise Bombito in for Danny Wilson. I do think the Rapids have been better in the back four since the acquisition of Andrew Gutman, which is fantastic. Um, and I think I would personally start playing Ralph Prizo a little bit more. I know there's been some criticism and some hate towards him this season and even going back to last year, but I think you have to start looking at the future. And with Brian Acosta on a being him out of contract or having a team option, I can't remember which for 2024, I think his future with the club at his salary and age is a valid question. Obviously, Danny Leva, um, there's no news about whether or not he could potentially have his loan end early, but in any case, there's no option to buy there. I think the Rapids need to start investing in players that they know for a fact are going to be here next season. Ralph Preso, for me, is one of those players. Uh, and then um, my statement on that lineup is obviously contingent on Rafael Navajo, who is not yet, um, who is not available for this match against Nashville. If I'm looking at his social media folks as a barometer for his availability or when he could be in, he's been a little bit quieter on his Instagram story in the last 48 hours relative to prior. He did recently go to his barber and get a new 
hairstyle as well. Um, he could be just less busy on Instagram, or that could be an indication that he is trying to sleep on an airplane that is traveling internationally and going on continents. Um, I'm sure I have to believe had he arrived today within the during the day um, that the rapid social media team would have posted something about it. So as of Thursday, I feel confident in saying he um, he is not yet or is about to touch down within the United States. And he certainly has not trained with the first team. If I'm looking at that, assuming he's not on a plane right now at time of recording, I feel pretty confident that he's not going to be with the team and recovering from jet lag in time to really contribute to a training session on Friday. Or I do believe, let me check this schedule now. I believe the Rapids are off. Yes, the Rapids are off Friday, the 28th. They do have a training session both on Saturday and on Sunday. I'm hoping to go to at least one of those. Um, very rarely, listeners, do you have where um, over the course of a weekend, you've got two training days and no game days for an MLS team at this time of the year. So possibly Rafael will have had two training sessions with the Rapids. I think at this point, given the fact that he's traveling, there's going to be jet lag. Obviously, he's you know he'll have been at altitude for less than three days, probably by the time the Toluca game has to kick off. I think it's highly doubtful that um, that he'd be prepared enough to where Robin Frazier would feel comfortable starting him in that game against Toluca. If secretly he's about to land or has already landed at DIA and is going to briefly jog out and do some fitness stuff for the club on Friday, then I think he could be a play off the bench, but I think that's about it. But I digress. Let's get back to the Nashville game. I thought the Rapids were decent in both boxes and then ultimately just kind of a really similar plot where they get into the final third and are lacking ideas and then some fortuitous opportunities lead to Nashville being able to get goals. Darren Yappi had a really good opportunity. He missed that. Uh, Cole Bassett um, became Cole Bassett in stoppage time when it was after it was 2-1 where they got a set piece opportunity and Cole goes straight for Cole. Really, really well bent ball and if it's two or three inches bending further to Cole's left then I think we're probably talking about a 2-2 draw right now but unfortunately that is the way the cookie has crumbled for the Colorado Rapids in 2023 Uh, both teams with a bit of a fortuitous bounce on deflected goals first Kevin Cabral technically getting the goal um, that was set up and most of the work done by Andrew Gutman in the 80th minute that would have been Andrew Gutman's first goal for the Colorado Rapids but it ends up being Kevin Cabral's third now technically tied, I believe, with Gutman in terms of goals in um, in all competitions this season uh, for the Rapids. Obviously, Gutman's three goals for are for Atlanta United, and Kevin's three goals are obviously for the um, for the Rapids. But so, but that was a little bit too late because you had Hani Mukhtar coming in, I believe, off the bench. Yes, Hani Mukhtar comes in off the bench and then gets a goal in the 57th minute after a defensive breakdown in the final third. And then that shot ultimately goes off of Danny Wilson with William Yarbrough diving the right way and in. Um, Was Hani picking out the far corner and was Will going to get to that is a question we'll never know the answer to and it doesn't really matter. And then Jacob Jacob Sackfelberg, who was fantastic for Canada in the Gold Cup, comes on and ultimately scores the winner in the 65th minute um, and ultimately a eerily similar quote from Robin Frazier opening statement from Robin Frazier post game. I think once again, just summed up how this game was so similar to like 10 other games for the Rapids this season and made it extremely disappointing and also very predictable. So here's the quote right here from Robin Frazier, his opening statement quote, 
difficult one to swallow. Felt like we had a lot of control in the first half, but we had taken some of the control and been a little bit had we taken some of the control and been a little bit sharper in the box maybe it would have been different but that's the way it goes 15 minute letdown in the second half we let up two goals give up two goals really proud of the resiliency to come back so close to equalizing but overall if we look at some of the good possession we had we definitely we are definitely disappointed that we didn't get more out of the game Broken record, unfortunately, for Marvin Frazier. I don't know that he has much else. I I feel bad for him in that he keeps saying the same thing, but this is, I think, you could say that, you could literally cut and paste that entire statement since he doesn't directly quote the opponent, and I could have I said that to you after 10 games, and you couldn't tell the difference between uh, that I pulled it from a different game. That is how predictable and how disappointing and repetitive the Colorado Rapids are, unfortunately, right now. Um, and as a result, that put the Rapids behind the eight ball when it comes to League's Cup. So let's get to the game that happened tonight, listeners. As I mentioned, it was a 4-3 win for Toluca and really an absolutely wild match. You had Nashville taking the lead a couple times. There was a penalty call on, not Daniel Lovitz, I can't remember, um, which Nashville player had the penalty called against them or no I believe it was out Al- it was Alex Mule um and ultimately a 4-3 win for Toluca and the um that third goal coming from the goalkeeper actually Tiago Volpi um and ultimately the winner coming from Morales but you had um Marco Ruiz what is Ruiz's um what is his first name here on MLS Marcel Ruiz um, with the first two goals in this game. There was an injury in this game for Toluca that could be a little bit of a concern. In the first half, there was a non-contact injury, and who was it? And it was uh, Mora who went down, and he was stretchered off and looked pretty bad. Mora plays at um, plays in the uh, and a, he's listed as a left center back in a back three for Toluca. He was in a pretty advanced position um, at the time of the injury. Maybe the MLS press box um, formation they have for the League MX teams is a little bit off. But in any case, there's an injury for Toluca. But for a team that I consider mid in Liga MX, who came in, was in their first official game of competition, this season and came in and played really, really well. At times made Nashville look silly, absolutely dominated on XG. I think it was 1-1 or 2-2 at halftime. Or no, it was it was 3-2 at halftime, but I think before the penalty or maybe after the penalty, I think Toluca had like 2.5 XG and Nashville had like 0.5 as well. So you look at how good we consider Nashville in an MLS context. You look at how good we consider Nashville at home. You look at the players they have, like Hani Mukhtar, uh, like Walker Zimmerman, who both started in this game, and what they were able to do against the Rapids, even when they didn't play particularly well, even though, and especially with Hani Mukhtar not starting against the Rapids, how they were still able to see out the result and clearly be the team that should have won the game. And then you look at how Toluca at times dominated them in a game that was built on transition for both teams, really. And ultimately, Toluca scored four goals on them. By the transitive property, the Rapids go in, lose 2-1, have a lot of frustrating sequences for them against Nashville. Toluca comes in, scores a bunch of goals. Toluca is a much better team than is a better team than Nashville. And there's a gap there. And then considering the gap that we would consider to be there between the Rapids and Nashville does not bode well for Monday. 
There's a bunch of scenarios here, folks, that happen when you have a group of three and teams playing in a round robin and two teams out of three getting out of the group that come in that affect ways in which teams could advance. So I'm going to run this down for you, and hopefully it's simple. So the Rapids still have a chance, listeners, to qualify and can potentially even win the group on Monday. So I'll make this simple for you. If the Rapids get a multi-goal win, they win by two goals or more, regardless of the scoreline or anything else, they win the group. They win Group G outright on goal difference. And then also, if they get a one-goal win where the scoreline is 5-4 or greater, then the Rapids would also advance. They would finish second on goal difference. So if we have a absolute banger, crazy 8-7 to seven game on Monday and probably the best game ever to take place at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, the Rapids can actually win the group. Should the uh, game go to penalties, regardless of who wins in penalties, the Rapids are already eliminated at that point. If the Rapids lose to Toluca in 90 minutes, they are already eliminated. At the blow for the whistle, at full time, the Rapids need to have more goals, need to have gotten three points against Toluca. Any other scenario, and the Rapids automatically finish third in the group, no matter what. So, <clears throat> I mentioned the I mentioned what happens where um, if the Rapids win by 5-4 on a win by one goal, and the scoreline is 5-4 or greater in terms of the number of goals scored, then the Rapids will finish second in the group on the goal-scored tiebreaker with the Nashville. Anything that is 3-2 or less, and a one-goal game, the Rapids are eliminated. They lose the goal-score tiebreaker with Nashville. So if it's 1-0, Rapids eliminated. 2-1, Rapids eliminated. 3-2, Rapids eliminated. Rapids win 5-4, they advance. Where we get to 4-3 is where things get weird. You might remember that one time every four years during the World Cup where the teams are, where two or three teams, or potentially all four teams, are tied in the World Cup going into the final match day, and they go down the breakthrough of all the various tiebreakers, and eventually the the highly improbable fair play points tiebreaker comes up. If the Rapids win on Monday and the scoreline is 4-3, to three, then Colorado and Nashville will be tied on points, three points. In the round robin, it'll be even because every team will have one win and one loss. And then Colorado and Nashville will be tied on goal difference, neutral, and will have the same number of goals scored and goals conceded, five each. At that point, we head to fair play points. How do fair play points work? So uh, you get one point, or no, this is, in this situation, listeners, you want fewer points. So negative one point for a first yellow card, <clears throat> for a second yellow card, an indirect red card, you get three points. A direct red card, straight red card, you get three points as well. And then the, um, and then I should say for that second yellow card, um, the first yellow card is not considered in that regard. So it is, so effectively two yellows is a, um, two yellows should be four points if I'm reading this correctly from the, um, PDF document they have on the MLS press box site. Um, and then for a yellow card that is followed by, for a yellow card followed by a direct red card is four points. Maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe it's just, maybe if you get an indirect red card, maybe the first yellow card gets limited. In any case, um, Nashville has a lot of um, 
fair play points to be had. They had one yellow card in the game against Colorado. Colorado did not receive any booking in that game. And then Nashville got four yellow cards, four first yellow cards against Toluca. And then they also got a second yellow card. Uh, Teal Bunbury will not play on Monday. He got two yellow cards in that game as well. So depending on how I'm reading this, I think Nashville either has eight points or seven points, depending on how you read the second yellow card, three points, the first yellow card will not be considered. Um, I think it's seven. In which case, unless the Rapids absolutely lose their heads and get a bunch of yellow cards and Brian Galvan gets a rage quit red card or they get absolutely Baldomero toledoed by the referee, then the Rapids should comfortably have fewer financial fair play points than Nashville and be able to advance. If by some reason, somehow, the Rapids win 4-3 on Monday and then finish with the same number of financial fair play points as Nashville does, the next tiebreaker, I kid you not, dear listeners, is the winner will be chosen in a draw organized by the organizing committee, end quote. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's there's balls in like the the ping pong thing like they have for the lottery pick for the NHL and the um, NBA draft. I do not know if this would be a if this would be the random closed envelopes we saw that determined um, the uh, MLS rights for Jermaine Jones back in the day that had him go to New England as opposed to Chicago Fire. I don't know if a random CONCACAF exec shows up in a suit and we don't know who this person is and they flip a coin and Gary Smith calls heads or tails in the air. I have no idea what that looks like, but it would be extremely, it would be so fitting for the 2023 Rapids to do all of that work, somehow beat Toluca 4-3, get a bunch of yellow cards that are completely harsh because the ref absolutely loses the plot and CONCACAF finish with the same number of financial fair play points and then for them to lose on the random draw and have Nashville finish second. Is all of this ultimately moot? Probably, because I think the reality is, listeners, I think the best that you can hope for is Toluca rotates the squad knowing they have control of the game. Toluca comes in, listeners, and they get a draw, and no matter what happens in penalties, they automatically win the group. Nashville only has three points. They only have three points. They get any result and then also best of the Rapids result in this game and they advance. So they have to come in. They come in thinking we get a nil nil or a one, one, we win the group. And then after that, you know, who cares? Um, I was talking to someone on Twitter beforehand where they were under the impression this was the worst result possible. And I think what actually would have been worse would have been had Nashville won the game in penalties or no, had Nashville lost the game in penalties because then Nashville would have gotten a point for taking it to penalties, at which point the Rapids couldn't overcome them. And then Toluca would have had two points on the board, but would have come into Monday knowing that if they lose in 90 minutes, they are eliminated, at which point then they have to play for a result. Whereas here, there's there's a number of scenarios, listeners, where Toluca loses on Monday and still finishes top of the group. How much are they going to manage that? How much are they going to rotate the squad? Do they play a bunch of young kids who are trying to get something? Does it really even matter that much given how good Toluca looked against Nashville and given how bad the uh, Nashville, given how much better Nashville looked than Colorado and the fact that Toluca plays at altitude when it comes to their league games. So altitude is something they are familiar with and the Rapids maybe don't have Rafael Navajo. And then even then are the Rapids, the Rapids could outplay Toluca between both boxes, huff and puff not be able to do anything against Toluca's back line, and then Toluca just has quality, whether it's in 
Uh, their goalkeeper taking penalties, whether it's in Morales, whether it's in Ruiz, who got a first-half brace in this game and looked really, really good from a midfield possession. Um, Morales scored his goal, um, and he's a striker up top for them as well. Does it even matter because, you know, Toluca could have fewer number of opportunities and then be able to finish on those way better than the plethora of opportunities that a Darren Yapi, a Calvin Harris... Um, Andreas Maxu on corners, a direct free kick for Cole Bassett, Kevin Cabral or Rafael Navajo are going to get, um, are going to get off the bench. Uh, I do not see the Rapids winning this game. I think at best you're looking at them being outplayed and getting lucky to have it go to penalties. And at that point, penalties are a coin flip, but William Yarbrough only has one penalty save in his entire MLS career. And it was last year, I believe, in that really bad take by Christian Benteke at Audi Field. So was that more of a, yes, it was a save. Yes, he made the save. But I think that was more a function of a bad take by the penalty kick taker rather than Yarbrough guessing right or making a really good save or being acrobatic in the air. Um, not trying to take anything, not trying to take a shot at Yarby here, but we have ample data. I think that's in either 12, 13, or 14 penalties. It's definitely more than 10 folks. And so if you look at the XG and MLS, I think it's like 0.78, 0.79 expected goals that they have for a penalty. Yarbrough has faced more than 10 penalties and has saved fewer than two. So he is in that regard, based on that XG measurement from MLS, uh, he is below average in penalty saving relative to other MLS goalkeepers. That does not give me a lot of confidence going into penalties. I guess if nothing else, it would be a good exercise for Woldy Harris to give some guys an opportunity to take a pen who we have not seen before, given that Diego Rubio has still been injured for the Rapids, and then even then his last penalty was a miss against Vancouver. And then you had Connor Ronan make one and miss one for Colorado, and then Brian Gavon, who had that fantastic Panenka against FC Dallas to get the first home win of the season. Does Galvan have another audacious take that is well executed? Um, could Darren Yapi or Cole Bassett get off the snide in terms of their goal scoring form to score a winning penalty, albeit in ultimately in defeat, ultimately in elimination, but something that's a feel good moment for them. Maybe a Calvin Harris, um, Andrew Gutman looked dangerous. I don't know. Is he good at penalties? Something like that. Um, or potentially at that point in the game, do you sub on Rafael Navajo with a minute or two to go in garbage time for the exercise of him taking a penalty, given that he may not be able to have as much impact in the game, given where his fitness will be at to start or sub on um, and play more minutes than a couple of minutes. All good questions, but ultimately are going to be irrelevant in the context of League's Cup, because if we do go to penalties at that point, the Rapids are eliminated and Toluca will have won the group. But as I mentioned, I, I think that's the best case scenario. The Rapids get to penalties and then um, lucky uh, bounces or fortuitous finishing that helps them win the game in penalties. I think the most likely result that you have for Monday is Toluca winning and seeing out the result from uh, from a positive position on the scoreboard. So that's how I feel about that. Let's see. Is there anything else that I haven't covered in there? I think that's probably it. Talked about League Cup. Talked about the women's national team. Talked about what could be going on with Rafael Navajo as well. Oh, there's been... Uh, by the time we podcast listeners, there will only be a couple days left in the secondary transfer window in MLS. The secondary transfer window closes on doo -doo 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 -doo, Wednesday, August 2nd. So Rapids play Monday, the 31st of July at the earliest. Um, 
HTHL will be podcasting on Tuesday the 1st, so that would be, you know, there'd be 24 hours left in the window by the time that we're podcasting. As I think I've mentioned on the show earlier, there was, um, uh, we had some media availability with Porrick Smith, and he hinted that they were close to identifying a top target at another position of need. Um, I believe that that is one of either a center back to compliment Max Shue or possibly someone else in the midfield or possibly a winger. I think it's one of those three um, positions that they're looking to target. Um, there's been nothing from a rumor mill standpoint in terms of international journalists, Fabrizio Romano, random uh, you know, rumor from a local outlet that probably got something from the club that the that current player is at that the Rapids are trying to acquire from. That doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Um, maybe the Rapids haven't reached out. Maybe they took a swing and nothing ended up happening. I'm not entirely sure. And, um, you know, I've heard rumblings for weeks now that the Rapids are also looking at outgoings. And, you know, Porrick said in the media availability we had before the Portland or Houston game, I can't remember, um, where he said that they were just bitterly disappointed in what happened in that St. Louis game. And maybe some of those performances that you saw and the lack of the mentality and effort from players in that game at St. Louis City are an indication of players that they're looking to move on from. And realistically, if they're going to bring in somebody else, they need that, um, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need to move somebody out from just from a senior roster standpoint, possibly international roster standpoint. So you look at, particularly if they bring in another center back, I think Danny Wilson or Lal Sububagar could have some trade value within the league. Certainly a Brian Acosta or a Michael Barrios being out of contract could be veteran super sub rental options for a team looking to compete in the playoffs. Um, And while he has been injured, um, you know, I I still think that there's value in what we know Jonathan Lewis to be domestically. And, you know, there's plenty of speed merchants who are super, super fast in MLS and not great at many other things who always had you know a club that was interested in them like a Kakuta Mane or a Darren Maddox and I would say Jonathan Lewis right now is better than what those players were at the height of their powers in Major League Soccer so Jonathan Lewis could be into that conversation possibly as well I'm just um, I'm just throwing out names of who I think could be in and around there um, you know that's not insider information or anything listeners but so um, I, I do think we could see some outgoings we could see I, I think one more big swing from the Rapids, I think overall, I think just getting Gutman and immediately addressing the issue at left back was a massive win. And if Rafael Navajo ends up being the best DP striker in club history, then I would say that window is a success in a vacuum or from a big picture perspective. But certainly, I think if you're, if those are the only two trades you're making and you're not, um, you know, throwing out, you know, the bathwater and saving the baby in the form of getting rid of one of the center backs or one of the other players to then elevate a young player for an opportunity. I, I don't think just simply, I don't think that those two signings alone are enough to say in the context of this year that you are salvaging or at least making a serious attempt to get back into being competitive this year. So like how we saw last season where um, where the Rapids traded away Marc-Anthony Kay, got a massive haul. Ultimately, that draft pick turned into Moise Bombito. I think the Rapids clearly have already won that trade if you looked at what Mac did for Toronto and then now ultimately in him getting traded to New England Revolution. Uh, the Rapids won that trade. 
but then that was all to set up with having the game and then a little bit more flexibility to bring in another player. And as Brendan Plone and I reported later on that window, that ended up not working out. And so I think the I think this window is already better than what last summer's window was. But certainly, I don't think we can say it's a success in terms of trying to climb back into a playoff race or firmly putting the Rapids in a situation where you don't believe they're going to compete for the wooden spoon. I don't think just adding Andrew Gutman and then um, if Rafael Navajo comes in and as good as, um, you know, uh, Adama Diamande was for LAFC in his first couple of months in the league, you know, if he comes in and he does what Lionel Messi does and scores three goals and has two assists in his first two games, then I'll revisit that. But just those two players, that's not enough for me to say that in the context of saving and getting something out of this abomination of a season that those two players on their own is is enough to rectify the season building towards next year absolutely saving 2023 not yet if they take a big swing and get a midfielder or a center back or a winger and that player ends up being of the same level of immediate impact of what Andrew Gutman has been of what we believe Rafael could be as well then I'll revisit that that question and I think we're probably looking at a success there i think that does it um i do want to say um uh, listeners you've been listening to us on spotify we did have something change recently with our rss feed that i will spend more time on in a future podcast and that resulted in our spotify going dark for about a week we were able to resolve that so if you're listening on spotify um this episode should be fine. You got last week's episode a week late and that you probably got it like late afternoon, early evening on Thursday the 28th. If you listen on another podcatcher and there's been, an, I guess, if you're listening on another podcatcher and it's not updating well, um, then you're probably not listening to this right now. If you're listening to us on another platform because we've posted about it, but your personal favorite podcatcher has not been updating in the last week, 10 days, get in touch. We will read into that and then try and fix that for you. And then also for those who um, we've gotten your, we've had your mailing addresses for the HDHL pint glasses for our highliners. If you gave us that information more than two weeks ago and have not yet received your pint glass, get in touch with us as well. Um, I'll have send that over to our um, marketing and shipping department, aka Rabbi's house, um, and we'll see what's going on with that. See if he has tracking numbers or if he's actually sent stuff out as well. Um, so we'll reach out to that as well. If you got a, um, if you got an HTHL Substack subscription in the last week, there's a very real possibility that that pint class has not even been mailed to us, even if you gave your mailing address to us for that pint class a week ago at time of recording. Okay. I've been droning on for 34 minutes. This is way too long of a podcast for where we are, and it's almost midnight, so I'm going to get out of here. Listeners, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at Pollard at Sucker underscore Rabbi, at Rapids96Podcast. Check out uh, my and Mark's uh, collective Rapids content. You can find me at BurgundyWave.com. Obviously, uh, John Babiak still out there in New Zealand and soon to be on Australia um, as he is covering the Women's World Cup for us. And we've got a bunch of other great content that's not just game-by-game specific going on there. So if you want that, you want Rapids content, Burgundy burgundy wave uh and then obviously mark uh is posting back pass still to the holding the highline substack holding the highline.substack.com you can view us in web format there you can uh give us your email address and then get an email notification when something gets posted on there and that's also where you can become a paid highliner five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year and that will get you the hdhl hashtag cheers to the six 
pint glass as well there. Um, and then if you want to get in touch in long form, you can email us at rapid science six podcast at gmail.com. Got a great ask HTHL via email about uh, my thoughts on the lineup for the Nashville game. Um, and then you can also send us a ask HTHL on Twitter using the hashtag ask HTHL holding the high line is not yet on Instagram or threads or blue sky or mastodon um we'll let you know when that happens and if that's something that you are yammering for feel free to let us know and if we get like 10 people emailing and tweeting us and telling us in person that like you want us on another platform we will take that into consideration so uh, i think that does it for us folks um we'll see you next week where hopefully we're not talking about the rapids crapping the bed against toluca in a sold out dsg that is all toluca fans and hopefully the rapids did something in the transfer window by the time we next podcast Peace.